God's house tonight. I'm glad that you braved the weather. Uh, I don't know how it was at your house, but it was cold over on uh, Indian Springs Drive. And I got in the car and it said 39 degrees. I was in the garage and it's still 39 degrees. So I don't know what it is outside, but I'm glad that you made it. Made the effort to come to be in the presence of the Almighty God. We are blessed to have the opportunity to come to this place and worship Him in spirit and in truth tonight. I appreciate what the church done for the seniors today. We had a, a great lunch and a great fellowship, and, and uh, I'm sorry the rest of the seniors weren't there, but I took uh, a meal to Lawson Bill, and they do appreciate it, and uh, I, I enjoyed getting to talk to them today, and he is doing better, and we're just going to continue to pray for him that God will completely restore him from that accident. Uh, tonight... I, I would like to read to you in Romans 10, chapter 10, and verse 1, and uh, I will go from there. I, I wish that I was like Drew and Wyatt, and I had a funny story or a joke to tell, but I'm not good at telling jokes and stuff, and so it's better for me just to get right on into preaching the Word of God tonight. Uh, I, I, I hope everybody understands... Uh, my point of view tonight, I've been in this world for a long time and I've seen a lot of changes. Just about 20 years ago, almost 21 years ago, they were afraid when it rolled over to be 2000 that everything was going to collapse. Uh, they, they thought the computers were going to fail, that uh, we would not have any kind of defense against our enemies, and, and uh, Social Security was going to fail, and we wouldn't get our checks, and everybody was afraid. But you know, God was God in the year 2020 when it came January 1. He was still God and still on the throne. And now, here it is 20 years later and He's still God and He's still on the throne. And He's still got everything just the way that He wants it. He's going to do what He wants to do when people will allow Him. He's going to bless them and save them and keep them and provide for them. And one of these days He's going to take us out of this world. Now, I don't know if anybody else will get excited over that, but I'm excited about the thought of the rapture of the church. But I am concerned that there's too many in our church world who doesn't get that excited. It's just another event that the Bible says is going to happen, and they've heard it all their lives, and it still hasn't happened. And so now they're beginning to worry or maybe doubt that it's going to happen. I want to tell you, it's going to happen. I just don't know when. But the thing is, we've got to stay ready for the rapture. And over the last great while, the church world has had a tendency of being inconsistent and growing lukewarm. And a lot of church movement. <laughs> now I want to tell you, I'm against church movement. I'm glad for people who come to church 
But I want God to grow this congregation and grow His kingdom. I don't want them to just keep moving and add here and take away from there. I want God to add to the kingdom here and there and everywhere else. Now, listen to me a while. These kind of things lead to people backsliding. And I've got that hard word out of the way already, you know. People, people kind of take offense when you say backsliding. And some don't believe it's possible, but this church believes it, and I believe it. You know, my dad used to say that my mother-in-law was our pastor, and, and Sister Abney would preach about people backsliding so much that my dad practiced it. Now, that's not what we want. We don't want you to practice backsliding, but we want you to know that and be aware that you are capable of falling out of God's grace. The Apostle Paul spoke the very heart of every man or woman who's ever been called to the ministry or to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. When in Romans 10.1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I want you to know we must not be content that Greenbrier, Arkansas would be saved or the state of Arkansas or the country of the United States of America but until the world has been reached with the gospel and have come to know Jesus Christ and are saved we must continue to have that desire and that prayer that they would be saved. Glory. I'm not talking about just joining the church. I'm talking about being saved. I'm not even talking about just paying tithe. I'm talking about being saved. I'm talking about being changed from the inside out, becoming a new creature where that old man that lied and cheated and stole and done all the sins has been converted and he's taken on a new man. I'm talking about being saved. That's what Paul was talking about. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, if you'll read Scripture, you'll see that Paul said that God gave a commission to Peter to the Jews, but he gave himself, gave Paul the commission to go to the Gentiles and preach this gospel. But the whole matter is that all men might be saved. Saved, that word from Strong's Concordance means to rescue or safety, deliver, to have health, have salvation. And that word salvation means deliverance. And some of you that are listening on, on Facebook tonight, you might need exactly what I'm saying. You might need deliverance. You might need help tonight. God is in the business still yet tonight to save and to deliver and to give salvation to those who are on the outside of the ark of safety tonight. God wants you to be saved. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Bible said, The Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's another one of those hard words, repentance. God wants everybody to come to repentance. He's made a promise to the whole wide world, not just to the white man or the black man or the Asian, but to all men, God made a promise. And it began way back in Genesis when he promised that the Son of Man would bruise the head of the serpent. <laughs> that was the first prophecy of a salvation, of a deliverance, of being saved way back in Genesis. And I want you to know throughout the Bible there is a stream of scriptures that broadcast and foretold this salvation plan where men might be rescued, might be saved, might be changed. And God, how many know God is not slack concerning His promises. Amen. Whether it's for salvation, whether it's for provision, for healing, for whatever you have need of, strength, joy, peace, God gives us His Word, and His Word is His promise. Somebody ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Glory. Not only did God put it in Peter's heart, Paul's heart, but God made a commission for the church to see that all the people of all the world might know God and be saved. And we've read these scriptures over and again. Mark said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every Creature, good news, you don't have to die in your sin. And if you fail, you can come right back to Jesus Christ. And He's going to be the same God of grace and mercy. And He'll forgive you your sins. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And then in Matthew's gospel, it said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. It's a promise of God for salvation, and God is not slack concerning His promises here tonight. He wants every drug addict and every alcoholic, every sinner in this city, to be born again. He does. And he doesn't want any who are already born again to backslide. <laughs> you know, we live in a difficult time to win the loss to Jesus here in the United States. And the reason is people have heard so much about Jesus. They've heard so much preaching that they think that's all they need. But that's, that's not all there is to it. It's hard to win the lost in this day and time. And it's not because God's grace is suddenly dried up. It's not because God has forgot to have mercy or that He's lost His power over sin and Satan. That's not the reason. But people are convinced 
that they are good enough to go to heaven just the way they are. And I want to tell you, we have all come under the condemnation of sin. And that's the way God said it. He, he said that we've all been concluded into that sinful nature. But Jesus came to bring us life and hope in Him. I want you to know it's hard to find anybody who will even admit I'm a sinner. <laughs> they won't admit I'm, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Because everybody says they know Jesus. They've heard of him. They know of him. They've heard preachers preach and teach. They've heard songs. But they haven't come to know him as a savior. The church world has made our society to believe they can live any way they please without the threat of ever going to hell. I want to tell you, if you're listening to me tonight, I'm telling you the very gospel truth. Except a man is born again, he can in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Many preachers, I, 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 I've been after, well, I've been teaching my sons all their lives. My daughters, my wife, all of our lives. That we must confront sin. Sin is not going away. Satan is not going away. And so we have to confront it. And though we are preachers, now Drew and Wyatt and myself are preachers, Shelly preaches, Penny preaches, Amy preaches, these are in my family. Taylor preaches, I, I don't know how many is really going to be preachers, I'll leave that to God. But I always tell them, you cannot quit using Words like judgment, sin, hell, or repentance. Now, somebody might say, well, that's none of your business. Well, if it's my family, I've got a responsibility, responsibility to tell them. You can't neglect to warn the people. Amen. Now... God hasn't changed his requirements for a man to make heaven his home. Paul spoke about those who gave up their salvation. In Galatians 4 19, just listen to what he said. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. First of all, Paul had already ministered to them and convinced them that Jesus Christ was a Savior. And they had experienced a new birth. But they had fallen away. They had fallen back. They had become, as many are today, lukewarm, indifferent, backslidden in heart. Now here's what Dake's commentary said. Paul had labored in preaching, in prayer, and in tears to win them to Christ. So he considered them his children. They were very dear to him. Now he had to travail in birth again. You mothers that are here, you know what travail means. You know what that experience is like. 
Paul is saying, I'm having to travail again for you, that you will be birthed again until they would come back to God and Christ be formed in them. They had fallen from grace. Listen to me, church. We're living in a time when the rapture could take place anytime. I'm not one of these prophetic preachers. I don't get into that. That's not where God's called me. But everyone that is, is telling us, we better get ready. No time to be lukewarm. No time for us to be discouraged. No time for us to give up. Now is the time we need to get closer to God. Paul had another problem in Galatians. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I want to tell you, even then there was false doctrine. Even then Satan was working to divert the truth and keep people from knowing Jesus and living right. Fawcett Brown's commentary said, I marvel implies that he had hoped better things from them. I want to tell you, when a preacher sees somebody get saved, we're hoping that they'll be the next Billy Graham. We are. We're hoping they're going to be another preacher or another great deacon or a great singer, somebody to minister the gospel. And here Fawcett Brown is saying that I marvel implying that he had hoped better things from them. They had discouraged Paul. They had disappointed him. Whence his sorrowful surprise that they're turning out so different from his expectations. Have you ever known anybody You saw them when they got saved. You know where they come from. You know what they had been. And when they got saved, you had great expectations that God was going to do mighty works in them. I want to tell you, it's their choice that they go back to what they were. Hmm. Paul was disappointed. We still have problems today with that same circumstance and situation. People giving up on God. I, I, I don't understand how people get angry at God. I understand getting angry at anybody else. But I don't understand getting angry at God. You see, God is never wrong. <laughs> God is never wrong. And when we know in our heart that He is looking out for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? When the scripture tells you something like that, you know God is looking to your best interest. So I don't know why people can get mad at God if someone dies, they don't get the right job, or they don't marry the right person. I don't understand that, but I just know this, that people get angry at God. They get discouraged with the word because they don't see it fulfilled in their lives like they think they are. I want to tell you, it's never God's fault. And it's never the Word's fault if it's not accomplished like we think it should be. It's our fault. As a minister of the gospel, it's my responsibility to help people be ready for the rapture. While I was reading, I began to notice some things. God brought them to my attention. Scriptures about being established. Grounded, rooted, and settled. 
Uh, when I begin to look them up, they all pretty much mean the same thing. Sometimes you'll notice a business underneath their name. They'll have established and give a date. You know why they do that? They want you to respect them for what they've been. They want you to know that they're a stable business. That they're here to stay. You understand God wants me and He wants every one of you to be established in Him. Now it doesn't matter if you're established in this church if you're not established in God. But if you're established in God, you're going to be established whatever church you attend. And tonight, God wants you to be established in Him. You see, businesses do it for the purpose of giving their clientele confidence in them. And I'm here to tell you tonight, we Christians need to let our community, our friends, our family see and know that we are established in God. Uh, sometimes a congregation will shift or leave when a preacher leaves. That doesn't speak well for them being established. Goodness gracious. I didn't know I was going to say that. Sometimes people get their feelings hurt. Blame somebody in the church. God wants you to be established to the point that that does not affect your life. Established means to be set fast. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about when I come across that, Drew? Remember when you was building that shed for me and we poured the concrete and you put them bolts in that concrete and the concrete set around it it was set fast you know I got to thinking about that the whole frame of that shed is dependent on those bolts that are set fast in that concrete I can tell you if you're not set fast in Jesus Christ in his word there's going to be enough opportunities that you're going to be swept off of the foundation Nah, but if you're established, you're set fast, uh, you're turned resolutely in a certain direction. It doesn't matter what sin or Satan or anybody else does. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I heard the preacher say, Brother Robin said, I, I've got to go to heaven whether Sister Robinson goes to heaven or not. Jan, I'm telling you, I'm going to heaven whether you do or not. The rapture's at hand. I want to be established. I want to be resolute. I don't want Satan looking at me and saying, there is a likely candidate. I want him to see me as set fast, unmovable in Jesus Christ. There are five verses in the New Testament about being established. In James 5, 8, it says, Be ye also patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Yeah. 
Nah, if we just understood he's coming, we got to get in. We got to get grounded here. We've got to be established here. We've got to be set fast, not be a candidate to be destroyed. Yeah, I noticed that word grounded in Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in faith. I'm talking about people who have the potential to backslide. You will not if you're established, if you're rooted, if you're grounded. Colossians 1.23 said, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. You see? You see what he said? Continue in faith, grounded and settled. Don't let the upsets of the world upset you. Don't let this election phase your faith. <laughs> Don't look to man for your hopes and your securities and your expectations. No, they don't have it. But there's one sitting on the throne of glory tonight. He holds all, he holds all power and he's able to fulfill all of our hopes and expectations tonight. For the success of the ministry and the work of the church, we need to help people build on the proper foundation. I don't want us to build on a foundation that is movable. I don't want us to build on a foundation that is suspect. I want us to build on the proper foundation and the right doctrine. Because the wrong doctrine will lead you astray, will take you to hell. But if you're grounded, you're, the, the definition says to lay a basis for. Uh, it means to consolidate, to ground, to settle, to lay bases for again. Or to consolidate, be found, uh, lay the foundation and ground and settle. Just over and over and over and over. Grounded. Grounded. You're not surprised. You're not shocked. You're not disappointed. You're not giving up. I'll tell you, I've had friends that backslid. But never one time did I think about giving up on God because they quit. No. I think my mom and dad and my wife's mother, her dad, because they set examples for us to follow, to be rooted and grounded. Not in them. Brother Angel, I wouldn't want anybody to be rooted and grounded in me. I'm not going to be here long. You, you can see by the way this world is, we, we have to expect. But I want you to know if we're rooted and grounded, if we're established in the right doctrine, in God Almighty, we're going to stand no matter what comes or what goes. Can you shout amen? Mm. That foundation that is unmovable and the only foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, you can carry any name you want to, 
as long as Jesus and his word and its fullness is your doctrine, you're on the right foundation. Remember the man in the Bible who built on the sand? Uh, and the Bible said that the rains came and they beat upon that house and it fell flat and great was the fall. You cannot expect to stand if you've built on any other foundation other than this foundation. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Can you shout amen? 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11 said, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. I preached Jesus Christ. I preached Him as the Son of God. I have preached Him as a deliverer, as a healer, as a king risen from the dead. I have preached Him ascending to heaven, but I'm preaching that He's coming again. Now, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Here's the firm foundation. Here's Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Here's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who is the victory? Glory. Paul saw the problem of the people in his day. And he knew somehow they needed to be settled and rooted and established in God. While he was there, they were okay. When he went somewhere else, or when troubles and trials or whatever came along, they were ready to turn back. He knew they needed to be settled in God so that they would not be in one day and out the next. I've known people who shout Sunday and Sunday night and couldn't say amen on Monday. Yeah. You know, old time people used to have a, a saying. We call people who were up and down and in and out. We called them wishy-washy. I don't know exactly what that means. D didn't you hear that, Sister Di? Wishy-washy. One scripture said, unstable in all of his ways. Huh. Not established, in other words. But if we can help somebody to become established, they won't be wishy-washy. They won't be up and down. They won't be in and out. They'll be holding to the hand that is never going to let them fall. My goodness. I have to tell Ferris every time we come down the ramp to get in the car, I said, you've never fallen. I've never let you fall. And I have to tell her, take a step. Take a step. And she doesn't, she doesn't trust me. She thinks that she's going to fall every time. And at the bottom of the ramp, there's, where it comes down to the concrete, there's a little bump. And I said, now here's the bump. And she just grits her teeth and makes a face. I'm telling you, I'm trying to help her. But I'm trying to help everybody. You that are watching tonight, I'm trying to help you. You need to get established in God. Get in church and let God help you. I, I'll tell you what, if you never become steadfast, you're never going to be what God wants you to be. It's impossible 
to become what God wants you to become. Until you're steadfast, established, settled, you will never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Whether you're my age or Drew's age or Taylor's age, it doesn't matter. If you're a man or woman, you cannot accomplish what God wants you to accomplish until you're established in Him to where your faith is never questioned. Paul never allowed a trial, a test, torture, finances, Friends, lack of friends. He didn't let the Roman government close his mouth. He didn't let religious leaders close his mouth. Paul just never allowed anything to move him. He was established in Jesus. He was settled. He was grounded. He was rooted. He had no other thought in his heart and mind. He was going to live for God. His goal was always the same, to live for the Lord. No, he wasn't going to live for himself. He'd have quit the first time they beat him. He'd have quit the first shipwreck. He'd have quit when the snake bit him. But his goal was always the same, to live for the Lord and to minister the gospel to all people everywhere. The Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye therefore steadfast. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Unmovable. Unmovable. Steadfast means unmovable. He used steadfast. Then he used the word unmovable. And then he said always abounding in the work of the Lord. Sometimes people think, well, we've done it all. We can't do any more. We can't go any further. There's nothing left to say. I'm here to tell you there's still a soul to win. And we're not done until we have reached the lost. Every one of them. Unmovable. Let nothing shake your faith or move you away from the hope of the gospel. My, I like that. Don't let spouse, children, religion, politics, sickness, or anything else. Hey, even if this disease lingers on, don't let it separate you. Don't let it move you off the foundation. Be established. Be a man of faith. It doesn't matter how much others want to help you become established, rooted, grounded, and settled as a Christian. Ultimately, ultimately, finally, to the point, I can preach. He can preach. We can tell you what the Word said, but ultimately, you make the decision yourself. Whether you're young or you're old, you must make that decision for yourself. Now, here's the thing. If you will accept instruction, if you'll receive reproof, if you'll receive correction, I love it when I get to correct Janice about anything. I just love it. If we can learn to accept instruction, reprove correction, it will help to establish us. 
Oh, Jesus. I've been preaching almost 60 years. I'm still learning. I'm still trusting God. I'm still asking Him, make me better. Help me. Help me, God. I prayed today, God, don't let me say one thing that's of me. I I don't want to say anything that's going to be hurtful because it came from me. No, I I don't want to do that. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections and instructions in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, that born-again person, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished or prepared unto all good works. The rapture is nearing. <laughs> I've got family I worry about, I pray for. Because I don't think they're established. I'm afraid that they have been moved. I'll tell you, the rapture is nearing. I want to encourage you to be faithful, be responsible, be prepared. It's time for all Christians to grow in God. Grow in God. Grow in God. You know... I said it's difficult to win the loss to Jesus. There's a lot of aspirations. A lot of goals that people would like to attain. But if we'll grow in God as Christians. God can use us more effectively. The Bible said. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or right, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. If your faith is still where it was when you first was saved, you need to grow. You need to grow. In faith. We need to grow in word. Peter wrote and said, As newborn babies desire the milk, the sincere, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. You know, the word strengthens us. If we're weak in the word, We're weak spiritually. The stronger you are in the Word, the stronger your faith is in the Word, (laughs) the more established, the more firm foundation you're going to be. Then the Word teaches us that we need to grow in grace. When I begin to think about that, if we grow in grace... That's not just merely to entertain the favor of God more and more and more. Though it does. That's what grace means. The favor of God. Unmerited favor of God. But if you look the word up in Strong's. It talks about the reflection of God in us. We need to grow in grace. I don't think we can look like him physically. 
but we need to act like he does. Would you stand with me tonight? Jesus is coming. I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. I want you established. My desire and my prayer is for Israel that they be saved. That they be established. Grounded. Rooted. Unmovable. No matter what winds come, no matter what floods come, stand fast. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, if I have failed you in any way, you would forgive me. Lord, I felt this was what you laid in my heart. And I've done my best to deliver it. I'm always reminded, God, that I can do nothing in myself. But I also am reminded that there's nothing impossible with you. So where my words would fail, God, would you speak them again to the hearts of the people? Those who are sitting at home watching tonight, speak these words into their heart. Draw them to you, Lord. That it won't be said of them, I marvel that you're so soon removed. God, as we come around the altars to pray, I ask you to soften our hearts. God, just massage our hearts tonight. Make it pliable to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Would you gather around tonight? Would you find a place to pray?